Hey everybody, in this week's episode we're going to be looking at plant teachers, a useful tool or a magic pill. We'll get into it, coming up next. You're listening to the Wizard Factory Audio Podcast, streaming now from Spotify, iTunes, and other major platforms. Hey, welcome back everyone to another episode of the Wizard Factory video podcast where you subscribe for weekly videos exploring deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves. My name is Logan Hart. And I'm Brian Easterday. And if you're new here and you're not a subscriber, hit that subscribe button. Really appreciate that. So let's get into it. We're talking about plant teachers, um, something obviously both of us have some, some experience with. And uh, there's a a lot of different ways we can look at this and probably a lot of different dif- uh, different ideas and opinions that people might have about what they are, uh, what they're used for, what they can do, what they can't do. And that's really what we want to get into uh, pretty thoroughly here uh, in general regarding any kind of psychedelic or entheo- entheogenic substances. So we'll start out by just kind of looking at the history of psychedelics, obviously not in entirety, or we would be here for days, but um, that's kind of the point. The history of psychedelics is the history of mankind. It has been around, uh, plant teachers, medicines, herbs have been around and being used by human beings pretty much well beyond uh, recorded history. So this is something that we, as every human being is an individual, have a very deep relationship with uh, plants, regardless of the the bastardization of of life that we are currently living in modern society. So, um, yeah, it's it's very important to at least have a good understanding of it, whether it's something that interests you in experimenting yourself personally or not it's very important that people have a very honest and realistic idea about what plant teachers are because they are so very powerful and important and useful. So yeah, Brian. Yeah, no, it's definitely well said. Um, you know, yeah, like the, the evolution of us as a species and us using different plant teachers or, you know, discovering different plants that, you know, that has, uh, you know, or, you know, many, many have theorized that, that that's very much been a lot of part of accountable for why we've developed uh, a lot of the even spiritual beliefs or practices or, or uh, where our brain is as a species, you know. Uh, so there's a, a very long genetic uh, memory with certain plant teachers and especially, you know, and we'll get into this point later. Uh, you know, plant teachers from from different areas, how they kind of carry a different charge, like each one kind of has their own unique charge um, or consciousness to it. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to get into all this and and look at it from a balanced perspective of, you know, uh, you know, we're not coming at it from the perspective of these are a a total magic pill that's going to fix everything or everybody just needs to try this and all of a sudden the world would be better. I think that's a very very kind of immature perspective to think that, you know, everybody could just take, take something and all of a sudden everything is fixed. That's, that's not how these work, but they are very useful tools, you know, and, and again, we're speaking from our experience on this as well. You know, in in my experience, they're a very useful tool for me for cracking open the shell and letting me look at things that I, you know, they, they were just hard to look at at first, but once they were, once I had the, that kind of shell cracked open, I could then take those lessons and, apply them which is you know the key to all all this right and that's kind of the first perspective that we wanted to open up with is in in context to why we personally have experimented and uh experienced these things for ourselves um as a a medicine a medicinal practice for healing versus escapism or just something that is fun or entertaining or, you know, that sort recreationally, I guess you could say, uh, very intentionally being used for medicine. And, you know, there's a quote that I'm very fond of. I don't know what the original source is, but, you know, your 
your wounding wasn't your fault, but healing is your responsibility. You know, when you get a cold, you don't expect the person that that gave it to you to make you better. It sucks that that happened, but at the end of the day, you're the one that has to take the vitamin C and get plenty of sleep and drink fluids so that you'll you'll recover from that. Well, emotional uh, disease is no different than that. And this is something that, again, is a useful tool. It's not something that's just going to fix everything as soon as you take it. Um, you still have to do the work. And that's very, very important. And, you know, in, in my experience, I, I feel kind of lucky in the sense that I've always, uh, when I first had, you know, experiences with uh, psychedelics of, of any kind, is at a time in my life where I was very much going through, a you know, a major transformation. I had just got out of uh, the Marine Corps, you know, so like my whole worldview was utterly shattered and I had no idea like who I was or what I was going to do. And that was when I kind of first started discovering, uh, you know, plant teachers. Uh, but I never uh, took them just for fun. I always kind of had a, a natural respect or uh, an intuition that I should only take them if I have a question uh, that I need answered or if there was something, you know, if I'm, if I've been thinking on like a certain subject for a long time, but I'm having trouble, like really getting clarity on it or, you know, getting it like concise, you know, to where I can summarize it. Mm -hmm. uh, then I would, I would kind of take that as a cue where I'd feel a calling where I would start thinking about, like I would almost hear like, you know, like I would just start thinking about like, well, maybe consider doing a trip soon. But then I, it, I'd always just wait till it felt right. And then anytime I've taken it with that kind of, with that an intention and in that kind of setting, I've always come out with the answer, you know, I wanted and then some, you know, usually. So, uh, you know, I think it's really important as, as a foundation to understand why you're taking them and the, the intention behind it. Uh, there's a huge difference between using these tools in a ritualistic setting or for the purpose of healing versus just kind of taking them to, you know, party or, or you know, go see a million different uh, fish shows or, you know, and, and never actually do any, any healing work with More it. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's, they're uh, like any tool, you know, it, it's how you're using it. You could use it for its proper intended use, or you could, you know, misuse it and really hurt yourself doing so. Right. And I think re the word uh, respect is really jumping out at me at this time, because uh, when you were just talking about how you've always had sort of that innate respect for them and only you kind of just intuitively knew that you should only use them under those uh, circumstances. And for me, it was kind of the, the reverse where I had a very basic and ignorant perspective going in. I, I just had like a curiosity about them and, and I wanted to kind of overcome the fear of what might happen just so I can experience for myself. But I didn't have that innate respect to begin with. But where does respect really come from is, uh, is power. You can't you can't respect that it, which is disempowered. It, it just um, doesn't work that way. And, and like, likewise, um, if say, if I didn't respect guns, but I went waving them around, well, they're dangerous just the same. And th if something bad were to happen, you best believe I would probably respect the gun a lot more after that. Well, in the same way, that respect was learned through not respecting it in that apophatic, apophatic process. Mm -hmm. uh, I came to understand that, oh, wait a minute, these are very powerful tools and they should be wielded with great care and intention. And and that that was kind of more cultivated for me. <laughs> That's the beautiful thing about the universe is like, you, you know, uh, there's so many different ways to learn through it. And sometimes that apophatic learning process that we've talked about a lot on the show, that, that Saturnian energy that's a really useful way to learn. <laughs> so you have the lesson sticks with you when you learn that way. So um, it's interesting that we both kind of uh, came at them from a, a slightly different perspective, but ultimately mm -hmm. end up in the with this, really the same kind of worldview on on how we view them and, and how and they that's, be used. that's how truth operates. It 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 will take you on your own personal and subjective journey to arrive to the same place because it is what it is. But you, you are also what you are, who isn't necessarily who the next person is. So you're going to have your own way of getting there. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, uh, moving forward to um, to clarify here a little bit about what specific type of substances we're talking about, too. We say plant teachers. Some people may not even really be familiar with that um, uh, with that term or, or, you know, what we're referring to. So, um, you know, this this is specifically anything that is occurring naturally that that you can find in nature that doesn't need to be made in a lab. So psilocybin mushrooms, DMT, uh, ayahuasca and uh, you know, cannabis, obviously a little bit different, not as uh, psychedelic in terms of like tripping, but still highly potent medicinal and healing plant. And then you're probably thinking, well, what about LSD and, and why are we, I'm certainly not saying that you shouldn't partake of synthetic psychedelics. Um, I was personally never drawn to them. Uh, Brian, you said that you've had some really good experiences with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, there's, <clears throat> there, you know, there's a lot of different natural occurring plant teachers. You know, the ones we listed are just kind of probably the, the most common that people, you know, here in the West be familiar with. But, you know, everywhere you go in the world, there is there are plant teachers there that are, that are local to that area. Um, and those are very useful. And in my experience, you know, because I've definitely tried both, you know, uh, L and as well as um, mushrooms and, and other naturally occurring ones and the naturally occurring substance just they, they have a different feel to them like as I mentioned earlier every every kind of psychedelic has its own form of consciousness to it and you know and I, I do think they're all useful but we really wanted to focus on the the naturally occurring ones specifically for the reason uh, one you know that's they're going to have a lot more of an epigenetic memory to them. And, and we'll get into that a little bit later because, mm-hmm. you know, being naturally occurring, there's something that uh, indigenous tribes in that area will, would have been using for various periods of time, but usually, you know, even thousands of years, sometimes, you know, these, a lot of these substances have a very long history with mm-hmm. people um, and are very central to a lot of cultures. You know, you can mm-hmm. see it, you know, and, and it plays out in, in many different ways, whether it's through art or how, um, the different, you know, social interactions, you know, or rituals within the tribe, things like that, you know, they're, they're definitely very intricate to a lot of parts of life. But, you know, uh, with the synthetics there, that's a whole other kind of realm to dive into uh, as well, because there's constantly new things being engineered and coming out. And, you know, uh, a lot of people will handle them a little bit differently. So we definitely wanted to focus more on the, uh, the kind of the naturally occurring substances, mm-hmm. I say cannabis is kind of a good one to start with just because that's that's where a lot of people will uh, start with their uh, their diving into plant teachers. Like I know mm-hmm. for me personally, you know, I'd never uh, used any kind of drug other than uh, other than like, you know, just drinking alcohol, like, you know, until after I was actually on my way out of the ring court. And that's when I first, mm-hmm. you know, encountered cannabis. And and for me, you know, it had a very a very healing uh, effect. It, it definitely in its own way, crack the shell, especially in regards to like helping me like learn how to laugh. Uh, again, that was something I was such a serious person. Like I wouldn't, I'd never smile. In fact, if I saw like other people expressing emotions, I would get enraged, like seeing it, like I had a lot of, a lot of trauma. So it was, it was a very useful step for me, you know, going through uh, and, and using that to kind of start to, you know, crack that shell a little bit uh, and prepare me for, you know, for other ones later down the, down the road, like, you know, psilocybin mushrooms. Um, and even with cannabis, um, you know, there, there's been uh, things I learned uh, even just from cultivating it or growing, like the first time I ever grew a little plant, you know, I just like, I had, I had like so much fun just watching it grow all the time. And, you know, and one day it kind of like dawned on me, that was possible being able to create life and like, you know, help facilitate beautiful things in the world. And I, I wasn't just there for destruction, which mm-hmm. like really, you know, most of my uh, childhood or wanting to go into, you know, the Marine, the Marine infantry destruction was really like the theme uh, that mm-hmm. I thought my life was all about. I thought that was the only thing I was really capable of. Uh, so even if it wasn't uh, taking the plant, like just even the, the cultivating experience, like that kind of consciousness associated with that plant, like there was, a lot of really beautiful lessons uh, I've got with uh, cannabis specifically. Uh, that being said, again, I don't think it's a total uh, fix fix everything or, you know, it's a tool like any other. And, you know, I think it's it's still very possible for people to 
get so stuck into the the habit of it that there it becomes uh something that they're using for escapism rather mm-hmm. than self-discovery um and that that does you know that what a lot of people won't like to admit that with cannabis you know because <laughs> but it can but very easily become a crutch right exactly and and that can happen with with anything but that's mm-hmm. you know that's definitely something that should be acknowledged with it as well so mm-hmm. it's not you know you shouldn't just be stoned out of your mind all the time, you know, um, for, for years. Um, you know, I know I've, I've done that before and, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, you know, dialing, dialing back or not using as much or, you know, taking periods of breaks, like, uh, I, I find that to be very useful. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not good to overuse, um, anything at all. Uh, you know, for a period of time, again, these are, these are tools that are helpful that should be used, uh, with balance, you know, and with mm-hmm. a, a specific intention in mind. Right. And as you were saying, Brian, there's, there's a lot of importance of the connection of a person and their own like blood lines and their, their personal epigenetic connection to different plants and how uh, you can still have a lot of profound experiences on other things that aren't aligned or associated with your culture, but you you're, you have the ability to tap into that charge, which is very powerful. And so that's kind mm-hmm. of, that's what we're the, the middle ground that we're coming at this with is, you know, you should at least be mindful to try to work with the, the plants that are from your indigenous region, wherever your bloodlines uh, descend out of. Or it's at least a good place to start for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as you were saying, like you tried cannabis first, I certainly had, it it seemed a much bigger jump in my mind from cannabis to like something that would give me a full on trip. So I was smoking uh, well before I ever dared to try an actual psychedelic. But then ironically, the first one that I ever tried is one of the most powerful ones. I smoked DMT and yeah, um, it definitely gave me the full, the full blown experience and beyond that point, I couldn't deny that there was uh, a lot of value to be gleaned from that experience. Mm-hmm. So let's look at really what what can plant teachers do versus what they can't do. I feel that m- mainly they act as a, a doorway to your own consciousness, that it sort of helps peel back the veil of reality and allows you to see more of what's possible, more of what's happening on an energetic level. And so visually, uh, audibly, like all the different aspects for me and what I've experienced with all the different types of uh, substances that we mentioned, that was sort of the biggest aspect to it was that you're, you're being shown the magic of the mundane. I guess that's a that's a really good way to put that the magic of the mundane in that there is such celestial beauty and and such a a deep organization of things. And you can see the fractalization of patterns and spirals and colors and wisps of energy and stuff like that, that you, you, you know, even if you're hallucinating it, it's giving you that experience that's going to open your mind to what is possible. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I know for me, it, it's very interesting. Uh, many times, like, like I said, if people are just taking them for like kind of the wrong reasons and they're just parting they're they're wanting to see like visuals and things, but they're not actually understanding. A lot of times those visuals, those very much have lessons contained within, within them. Uh, and a lot of times they can take years to break down. Uh, for me, like the, my very first, um, mushroom trip I ever took, uh, that was the first psychedelic I, I had experimented with. And, you know, I learned a really beautiful lesson and it was that, you know, everything's the same, just in a different way. That was some, you know, I've talked about it on the show before and it's something that's become a, a foundational like principle to my life, you know, over, mm-hmm. over a de- decade later. But I learned that from, I, w- I was looking up at the stars and I, uh, and I had like some, you know, just a couple close friends around and like, you know, just looking around at everything and I could see kind of this, this web or this grid that was connecting everything together, you know, that there were lines in between and that like they would go 
in between like each being or each object and like just everything was connected in like kind of this web or this uh, grid of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when I was looking at that, I was just fascinated by it. And, and then that's when that like lesson hit me. And it was just it was very simple, like just short and simple. Uh, everything is the same, just in a different way. Like, but that simplicity could just be, you know, I could extrapolate, you know, so much out of that, you know, it's taken me like years to really learn it and apply it um, and integrate it into my life. But it, it absolutely was a, a very kind of life changing moment for me. It was a, it, it hit, I remember it hit me so hard at the time that I like, I just kept repeating it. Like I just, it, every time I would say it, it would just open up a new layer of it. Um, so, and, and that's the point I'm getting to with this is that, when you're using these uh, as a proper tool, when you find that answer, it, you have to apply the answer. Like that's the key. You have to be able to take that out of that experience and then apply it to your life to where it actually changes your life. That mm-hmm. That's when it's really useful. And that's what these are supposed to be used for. It's, it's not about the experience itself or the trip itself. It's about the tools and the, the things that you can discover within that, that you can take away from that and apply to your life in a, in a practical way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like you're getting a, a little field trip into the astral realm and you, you can't stay there, but you can bring little tools back with you. And that's how I view it is. And then that's why I like to journal when I do a, a very intentional trip, usually towards the end, because at first I want to just really, like submit to the experience and really feel it. But then at some point I can, you know, I'm just getting bombarded with downloads and I, I'm like, this stuff is so good. Like I want to, you know, save some of it, document it and, and reread it later. So that's mm-hmm. been really useful too. And um, uh, let's see. I've, um, I've experimented mostly with uh, probably DMT more than anything, which is a very short, trip normally around 10 to 12 minutes. Um, I've second to that would be mushrooms, which I've done probably a dozen times. Um, and then I've, I did ayahuasca twice consecutive nights in Mexico a couple of years back. And so I can honestly say there's, there's a lot of parallels between the experiences, but then there's a lot of very different aspects to them that are very unique to that one teacher. And uh, the person that was facilitating the ayahuasca ceremony um, is a shaman in training. She won't call herself a shaman. Um, and she had some other shamans there. And they all teach the the traditional, um, the shamanic philosophy of the people of Peru. And it's it's all about connecting with the consciousness of that plant. And, and you know, they they speak of mother ayahuasca in the feminine is is an energetic archetype. It is a very feminine, but very powerful and fierce and sometimes um, harsh as well. But I was given a very loving, gentle ride. My, my first two, Uh, I actually didn't even purge at all, but um, it was very peaceful. And uh, I I did have difficult times where I was crying or feeling a lot of fear, but I navigated them very, very smoothly. And uh, the biggest theme about that one was honestly my own recognition of my own power, just how much power and potential and sovereignty and, uh, you know, goodness that I am, despite all the other uh, bad programming that's conflicting with that. uh, And just being shown how much I shoot myself in the foot and hold my own self back from being that all that I can be, or or even, you know, giving the love or receiving the love that I want. There's just so many things to it. it. It just, it acts as a mirror to yourself that you have to be willing to look honestly at and, and do something with that. Well, and I like that you said, you know, that what you're really afraid of was your own power. Cause that's something I think, especially like in general, like that's what people really are afraid of is themselves, like just how powerful they are. It's not, it's not just the, the shadow aspects or the parts of ourselves that we don't want to look at or that we need to work on. A lot of times it's actually just how powerful we really are that we're afraid of. And I think that's, 
one of the things with plant teachers is they, they ultimately will all just show us ourselves, you know, uh, mm -hmm. and just kind of through different perspectives or different lenses would be a way to look at it. Um, and that's useful. And I like, I like that you mentioned the, the shamans that they, they specifically are working with that plant, like with that consciousness. They understand that it has like it's its own individual sense that you're you're stepping into its realm. It's not you don't stay there all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a useful tool. And that, you know, again, that reminds me of, you know, with all indigenous cultures, they all kind of have their own, uh, you know, entheogenic substances that they work with, you know, depending on like what what is growing in their, you know, uh, their geographical area. And those will have a very strong connection uh, with the people. And even I think, you know, uh, if that connection has been broken for a while, you know, it, it can be reestablished. It's something that's always there because it's within that epigenetic uh, memory. So I think mm -hmm. there is something to be said um, of experimenting and working with uh, plant teachers that are cultivated or grown, you know, or from the area that, you know, your uh genetic heritage is from uh you know but you know there's also you know you can also still step outside of that and uh you know work with plant teachers from other cultures but even when you do that like i do notice with you know different plant teachers you know for example like um with like peyote or something you know the different patterns and things you you see will actually kind of shift you know like they'll like where you know um they may have kind of a more what we would describe as like a Native American, like a Southwest Native American or something mm -hmm. kind of patterns uh, and things that you would see with that. Whereas if you're using, you know, a, a different substance, you know, you may, the patterns may appear completely different. But what's interesting is those patterns that you see very much are associated uh, with what what we would associate the art of that culture with. Mm -hmm. So then you can you can kind of see that connection is like, you know, it, um, it's very huge impact it, there's, that it has there's on that culture that they're they're creating based on what they're being shown on right. you know during those those uh, heightened states of of being right and then i think that's just a very interesting thing to look mm -hmm. at so you know i think it's it's not that you people should only work with um you know plants that are from their you know uh culture um but I also don't think I think it should be something cautious that if you're working with a plant outside of your culture, that, um, that it just might be a factor to think about that there might not be as much um, like an epigenetic memory or a tie with it, or it might not be uh, as familiar or, you know, things like that. And not not that that would be a bad thing at all. But, you know, it's just mm -hmm. it is interesting to uh, experience the feel of, of different ones. You know, and I, I think it, it's a balance, you know, mm -hmm. definitely, you know, there, there's value in both. Right. So the, the next thing, as far as what they can do, we've looked at how they can act as a, a doorway to consciousness that that shows you what's possible uh, so that even when you come back, you still have this this new idea of kind of the the metaphysical realm. Um, but then also looking at, at it from a specifically med medicinal perspective that it, it's able to crack your shell but you still have to figure out how to deal with it it you know like the shell is just the outside you can you can get past that but you still have to dig out the the fruit from the inside and, and get there um and you know so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna tell a story about an experience that i had with mushrooms probably the most profound experience i had on mushrooms one of them at least from a healing perspective specifically, um, I was feeling this feeling of, of discomfort and uh, fear and all kinds of, un, you know, not pleasant experience, you know, feelings coming up uh, and building up within me. And then at some point it, it's like the, the dam broke and I just unleashed uncontrollable uh, emotion in the form of weeping. And it, it was like, so strong coming out of me that I could hear my own voice and I felt pity for myself. Like my consciousness heard myself crying and was just like, Oh, you poor thing like that. It, it was so pitiful. And, uh, but then it would oscillate into laughter, like Joker style, hilarious flopping around, holding my ribs 
laughing. And it was like this just like popping out, uh, you know, anywhere path of least resistance to unexpressed emotions. And that, that sort of really made me realize how much not only do we suppress sadness and, and negative emotions, but also joy and, and laughter and things like that. Because, I mean, think about how many times you're told to stop laughing in church or, you know, be serious or grow up or whatever like that. That is greatly suppressed in us, too. And, um, you know, after that, I, I couldn't deny any longer what a potent medicine this was because of that experience and how much I felt liberated afterwards. It was like I just popped this massive zit and like all this pressure was left, lifted off of me. And um, I've had similar ones like that, too. That was the most uh, intense by far. But that emotional purging is what I would call that, which is ironic that, um, you know, on a ayahuasca, you purge physically. But then there's a bit of law of correspondence going on that the substances tend to just be something that makes you kind of retch out all of the stagnant, trapped goop, whether, you know, emotional, energetic or physical in your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're really, they just stir up the energy, you know, they get that, that emotion is energy in motion. So they get those flowing. And that's really useful. You know, I know definitely um, another really powerful lesson I learned on an experience I had was um, just letting go. Like, mm -hmm. I realized like just how much I like was holding, and this is kind of similar to what you're saying, just like how much we hold on to everything and it was kind of this voice that I, I could hear it was me talking to myself but you know it's just that that kind of that higher self telling me like let go like it's okay just let go you know and there is a um a place uh that it's really beautiful like uh, stepping into that place of surrender uh mm -hmm. and vulnerability with yourself that it's a very uh relieving you know like like you were saying like it's all this pressure that is just mm -hmm. relief because you realize like how much you've actually like how much mental and emotional energy you've put into creating the worldview and the reality that you spend most of your time in and how much we, you know, how hard we work to actually self-sabotage ourselves when it would be a lot easier to just trust, you know, that was definitely a big kind of theme I've, I've brought out of these experiences. Yeah. I mean, one, a simple way I could sum up what you just said of what, I've been repeatedly slapped in the face with when going on these journeys is you are the source of your own insanity and madness, like 90% of the shit that you suffer from in your life, you're doing to yourself. Stop it. You're insane. Like just being shown the insanity of humans as well, too, because there is a very deep sense of connectedness. And uh, for me, a very deep empathy for humanity and myself all at the same time. Uh, it's like mm -hmm. I'm weeping for us one in the same, you know what I mean? In the, in the, the unnecessary suffering that we are creating in our world due to ignorance. Mm -hmm. It's painful, but yeah. it's, it's a beautiful pain because I would never want to lose that, that care. That is such a precious gift. And it, it makes me feel alive when I'm able to actually, you know, feel sad for injustices and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's uh, one of the reasons why these substances very much are suppressed in, in the ways mm -hmm. they are <laughs> is because they are such uh, powerful keys and gateways to uh, consciousness and a theme that, you know, is very common. You see with them, uh, you know, we both expressed it in our own experiences is that, that interconnectedness, like you can learn about, uh, the laws of correspondence and the principle of mentalism, you know, you don't have to go and read, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the Kybalion or, or any other, like, you know, esoteric right. things. you can discover that through your own experience, which well, how is, is how I came to discover those. And then later on, I found yeah. the, the literature that confirmed for me. And, it, you know, they're all, they're just saying the same things, you know, just in a different way. So, well, yeah, anything that came from a book either came from another book or it came right. from reality itself. And if it came from right. another book, somebody somewhere along the way extrapolated that from an experience. It wasn't just this theory that just, you know, has always existed since the beginning of time. People discover things and then they think I'll pass this on because 
that's part of the beauty of being able to both experience things for yourself, but learn from others is that if we spent our whole lives trying to figure everything out for ourselves, we would never be able to get anything done because why do that when there's already been, you know, thousands of people that have already done it and written books about it and you can just stand on their shoulders. That way you can be at the cutting edge of the experience instead of just doing what's already been done. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, like I said, that's what both of those forms of learning and experience are mm -hmm. useful. Like it's for me, it's always been so useful to be able to have that direct, you know, knowledge and most of all, I've experienced this and then to find that confirmation, uh, you know, in the reality mm -hmm. field through uh, some other form of information right. as well. Because uh, then, and that's how you can really measure truth. You know, it's you know, it's not only coming well, yeah, from your I own mean, internal experience, but it's it's being reflected back to you, and you're getting the same the same story both ways. Yeah, I mean, I would I would challenge anyone to uh, answer the question: if if something is not truthful, that then what good is it? Unless you're lying to someone to literally protect your life or your family or something like that. Outside of that, there is no value in in uh, information that is false. It's only going to lead you to uh, more suffering if you're acting upon it. Like we talked in the last episode on co-creating reality. If I tried to build a house with two different sized rulers, the whole thing would be all lopsided and crazy because it's built on a false assumption. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'd like to get into and kind of address the uh, concept of a bad trip. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that's something we hear a lot of people, if they're not experienced, they're, they're afraid of encountering something like that. And it's not to me, and this is just my experience, I, I won't ever really say there's anything that I would call a bad trip. I would say there's difficult or challenging trips mm -hmm. that can happen. It's like but the runes. There's no bad runes. There's just challenging ones. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's a great comparison. Um but uh, that being said, I think if people do have a, you know, for lack of a better term, a bad trip or a, a trip that they find very, mm -hmm. very difficult or unpleasant or it was something that was kind of like more traumatic than healing, there's some variables or factors that we can look at of why that is. Uh, the first one would obviously be looking at like dosage and what substance they're actually using. Um, you know, like I said, all these different substances, they all have their own form of consciousness, you know, and some mm -hmm. things will work better in different, you know, different situations. So those are both, you know, what you're taking and how much of it you're taking is obviously a variable. If a person's, uh, you know, young and they don't have any like really world experience or this is their first time doing something and their friends are kind of, you know, they're doing it with the wrong intention, like they're just doing power and then people give them way too much. Those are the situations where people, they don't know how to handle themselves, especially like here in the West where people are taking them in more of a recreational kind of setting rather than a, a spiritual or ritualistic setting. There's not that guideline there so that it's kind of just open to that chaos. So, of course, those kinds of settings will can create more of that that potential mm -hmm. chaos. Um, or which they're just going into it thinking it's going to be a magic pill and like, Oh, I don't have to worry about it. I'm just going to take it and I'll be fixed. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a lack of respect for it. So, you know, and then obviously the second big factor would be setting, like making sure you're mm -hmm. in the correct place. Um, you know, uh, and, and especially with like certain people, like if they're very, um, shy people in general, or they're not used to opening up or something, them going into like a party situation, that's not going to be the place for them. Like they're right. them being out in nature with their own self or a, a, some trusted people would be a lot better kind of setting. Uh, yeah. For me, the, I'd say the people around me is almost more of a factor than the, 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 yeah. the, the actual place, because you can be in a super nice like cave with art and trees and everything. But if there's somebody, especially people that are really negative or just talking out mm -hmm. their ass, like people that are just, total, you know, morons that say things without thinking and they, they're, they're just like talking shit all the time and stuff. Like, I do not want that around me in general, but especially uh, in these states because your, your shield is lowered. You're like, you're way more wide open to external energies and things like that. I mean, that's, that's what it's doing is it's turning up the sensitivity. 
it's like if I put on night vision goggles and then put a fucking spotlight in my face. Well, why would I do that? I just turned up the sensitivity and then blast it with overload. <laughs> yeah, so setting, you know, obviously is very, very important. And then with that comes uh, the intention slash expectation, you know, which we talked mm -hmm. about this before. Like, are you taking this as a tool or to achieve, achieve a specific thing or to work on a specific issue um, or, and, you know, and what is your expectation? Like, are you expecting to find the answer or are you taking this expecting to just, you know, see some cool shit or have an experience or, you know, that kind of not really respecting the teacher perspective. So that intention and expectation plays uh, an extremely important role. And then as well, a, a, another major variable would be mental history. Um, mm -hmm. Not everybody should take psychedelics. Like not mm -hmm. like they're not meant for everybody. Like I actually know, like, um, you know, people like, for, for example, even my, one of my younger brothers, you know, like, um, he just can't handle them. They're not, he, he just, they don't agree not, with him. They don't, they do not agree with him. Like he's never had a good experience <laughs> on them. You know, he's always mm -hmm. ended up actually kind of like, uh, slipping into where, you know, he then had some serious mental health mm -hmm. issues that it took him a long time to, to get through after that. So they are definitely something that should be uh, done with respect. Um, you know, and if you're a person that you do have a lot, like you've experienced a lot of trauma or you have a lot of repressed emotion or things like that, these could be very, very useful for you. But at the same right. time, they could also show you like, it can be a very difficult and challenging experience. Like, so under understand that, Oh, I have this kind of trauma that I'm trying to work through. So I'm taking this, uh, I'm taking this, uh, stimulant, this substance to stimulate certain emotions in order to work through them. If you're coming at it from mm -hmm. that perspective, you're prepared. You have that expectation of, Oh, when difficult things come up, that's what I'm seeking. So I want to work through them. You're going to be prepared for that. And then that's going to be a useful experience. If you're coming at it from the perspective of you, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. And all of a sudden, when you get slammed with things like that, you're not prepared for it. Like, mm -hmm. and it's a lot more difficult to process. So, you know, like as, as with any kind of act or any kind of magical act, be being very clear on like what you're doing and why you're doing it is going to like lay a proper foundation in order to get the most from that experience. Right. I mean, if you're someone with a lot of trauma, then it, it makes sense that you're seeking something that will help you. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and certainly that, that could be with plant teachers and it, it's, it's helped us a lot, but especially if that's the case, be just be very mindful as you're going into it. Start with a very small dosage, start in a, in a situation where there's uh, very few people around and those people you do trust a lot and it's very peaceful and, you know, uh, you can control the music or the lighting or you can move around if you need to. These things are very important when, when getting yourself ready for these type of things. So just, you know, don't go into it afraid, but do your due diligence and prepare and put some thought into it before you go, you know, diving into something like this. And then, and then with that said, also, um, you know, I, I, one of the things that I've actually learned in this process, is, you know, as I mentioned earlier, learning the process of learning that I should respect the, the teachers and uh, really use them with the t intention is when you seek these things out and you take them into your body, you are taking an action that is a, a nonverbal way of asking the universe a question. You're asking without asking. And so when you do that, you are also agreeing to to get an answer. And so you better be ready to accept whatever that answer is that is given to you. And so most of the time, unless you're one of the, the people that it just, you know, it's not meant for you, you know, and there's there's other ways you can heal. It's not like this is the only way. Uh, and uh, most of the time in those, in those cases, it, it's you that's fighting the answer that's being given to you. And that's why you're having a bad trip because you're being shown something you don't want to see. And then it's causing a lot of inner turmoil. So mm -hmm. with that said, you know, we also wanted to touch upon the, the looking at a, a shamanic guide or a facilitator versus doing it on your own or just with some uh, trusted friends that necessarily aren't trained for that sort of thing. And really, 
I think there's a lot of value in both. And I've mostly done tripping on my own. But then when I went to Mexico and, and I did that, that was a very intentional ceremony. And I felt very safe that even if something bad were to happen, that those people would know what to do and be able to help me get back where I need to be. So, you know, that's kind of on you to consider, do you, you know, do you want to start with there? It start there until you feel more confident or, you know, um, is that something, a risk that you're just willing to take? Because, you know, we're, we'll be the first to tell you there is always risk, especially with things like this. So, you know, we certainly, we're not telling you what to do. We're not encouraging anything with this. The purpose of this is to share some information so that hopefully people can make more informed decisions and have a more truthful and realistic idea about what these are and, and what they can do. Right. No, I, I think it's very good to look at the difference between those those different settings. Uh, I think for the vast majority of people, having a especially if it's like their first experience, having a, a shaman or experience facilitator there is very useful. It's definitely way to go. If you look in indigenous cultures like that, that is how it's done. Uh, that being said, the, the apophatic learning process, <laughs> it can be, although difficult, it can be a very useful one. So going at it on your own, uh, it, it's definitely not for everybody by any means. There's but a you'll, small, you'll get it a lot people, quicker think, that way. But for for people who have a calling to kind of into a type of, of he, a healing work themselves or a kind of a shamanic calling like naturally, mm -hmm. they'll I find those people will tend to naturally kind of go through their own initiation. Uh, and many times, especially in the West now, that's done on their own because we don't have that culture built mm -hmm. up to, to back up on the weight. We, we've lost our our shamans and our teachers, you know, like his monotheism, like, uh, you know, did everything they can, you know, including slaughtering them, you know, and burning them alive to, to get rid of that knowledge. So, right. And now that's really lot important to note, honestly, mm -hmm. the fact that yeah. just try to imagine if you can, that there was a time where every single culture, there was a shaman that, that, that was just standard. And, and mm -hmm. most of the time, those shamans, you were were also psychedelic facilitators and again the same thing rings true with them it was a tool in their arsenal right nowadays there's a lot of ideas people have about sh what a shaman is with all these you know coachella shamans and you know <laughs> anybody who reads a terence mckenna book thinks they're a shaman and all this i mean it's it's nonsense but that you know it's not all about psychedelics and plant teachers, but that was a very uh, standard tool in their arsenal for helping the tribe stay on track and, and heal their stuff and, and maintain cohesion and, and um, prosperity. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a, a very useful tool in my head. And then they were systematically annihilated. That, that in and of itself should tell you something. Oh, we can't, we right. can't be having that. Put them all to the sword. Yeah, yeah, monotheism definitely very, very much, uh, you know, actually passed like various laws, you know, including into the drug war days, rooted, rooted in monotheism and, you know, a lot of those uh, Christian ideals. Um, and, and that's a way of being able to control it, uh, people's consciousness and keep them stuck in a box, you know, like where these things, they'll, they blast you out of the box so that they don't want that. But, you know, again, as I was saying, though, uh, so a lot of people who have a modern calling to being a healer or to working with plant teachers, it's just a natural, like an intuitive thing because, you know, certain things are being awoken in them. A lot of times they will take, do a lot of soldier. Like I know, like for me, I, I, the vast majority of my experiences, you know, like I didn't even like, even when there were people around, like they weren't even taking, I was like literally just by myself, like figuring it out all, all on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and but I, I've always I just like tend to be a type of personality that I like really like challenges. <laughs> like I, I tend to go at things like the hard way, and that's not not the way that everybody should do it necessarily. So, but you know, it's a it's a valuable learning uh, process, you know, mm -hmm. on its own. So, again, with being able to understand like that where we're coming at this, it's getting out of the black and white perspectives with it, and being able to see the mm -hmm. nuance. It's not it's not either or; it's both. And, mm -hmm. and we see that a lot, you know, we talk about that a lot on the channel, being able to start to see the nuance and, and getting out of 
the monotheistic mindset of having to see just this black and white worldview on every single subject and being able to see things as both and, and see mm-hmm. the, how intricate and how beautiful and they, they all work together, you know, um, mm-hmm. all these different perspectives and they all have their own place and their own value, you know, and, and should all be considered. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's pretty much what we wanted to come here to say. We just wanted to shed some light on the subject, something that we feel is, is a good thing to, to think about sometimes. And again, this is not, you know, this is not medical advice. This is not uh, mental health advice or anything of the sort. It's just inf- information that hopefully was entertainment as well and um, uh, just something food for thought. So we hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. We're going to wrap this up for the week. Um, but uh, a couple of announcements before we, we go. Um, for those of you unaware, we are now on all the major plat- podcast platforms. So go check us out on there. If you've been wanting to listen to us on that drive to work or, you know, cutting your vegetables for dinner or whatever like that, and you can't watch the show, you know, you can listen to it now. So definitely go, go follow us there. And uh, for all of our services and products and, and everything else uh, Wizard Factory related, if you want to learn more about us or help us out, um, go to the wizardfactory.com. But that's all we have for you for the week. And uh, thanks so much for watching. Again, hit that like button. Help us grow. We really appreciate that. And subscribe on your way out. Uh, Tell your friends. Tell your wife. Tell your kids. And uh, thank you so much for watching. So until next week, be empowered, be inspired, and be encouraged. Thank you for listening to the Wizard Factory Podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week as we continue to explore deeper understanding of the universe and ourselves.